1: Brain.
2: Guys, I'm really excited today. I bought a horse earlier today. His name is Mayo and sometimes Mayonnaise.
3: <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: Can I get a rim show on that? Uh,
1: no Stompy this week, so uh, no conspiracy theories uh, to hash out, but we've got a couple guests. That's Sensei Kyle Senra. So, what's the
0: difference between a piano and a fish? You can tune a piano, but you can't tune a fish.
1: (laughs) That's... I I mean, we're getting better at least. Ouch! (laughs) 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 Uh, That's the Senator, Alessandro Senator.
3: So what happens when you give a politician Viagra? He gets taller. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, <man>. Okay.
3: <laughs> See that one? <laughs>
1: That—that's the type of thing that I'm looking for, personally. Like, all right, like, all right, let's finish go. up Slight, the intro. I like it. Dirty. I am John, shut down by press coverage, hope, and this is a super flex super show. We have a couple awesome guests with us tonight. The hosts of the brand new two thirds of the the brand new full press coverage fantasy podcast. We've got Kyle Senra and Alessandro Senatore. It's just Senator though, right? I just yeah, hey,
3: it's just Sen- it's Senator. Just go with that Senator. Oh Senator. Okay, okay.
1: okay. It's okay, just man? so much more fun to say that way. But it but is, I, I mean, man, it
2: is that name is so cool, Senator.
3: Yeah. well well you got well, you gotta give it the Italian accent because I am Italian so you gotta go Alessandro Senator.
1: yeah there you go they that's kind of what I was yeah, going cool. for uh but yeah I'm not at all Italian so I couldn't pull it off anyways so senator I'll just say like a, hey. like a normal white boy how about that there you go <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> well guys we gotta thank you for coming on I mean the the mic has barely even cooled off. From you guys' first episode it, it came out what in the last couple days
0: i think friday it was put out yeah.
1: yeah 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 so so we're one episode in on the new podcast so kyle i want to start with you and just tell us how this podcast came to be how it how it all came together
0: uh so really this came from uh me working for full press coverage i started last year with them i was the managing editor for the kansas city chiefs portion of the of full press coverage that's kind of something cool about full press coverage that I'll uh, just introduce here is they've got writers and uh, staff that works for every single team. So the amount of information available for each team is actually quite, quite amazing. I worked with a, a pretty good staff in Kansas city. Uh, Braden Holseek is now taken over and he's really connected with the chiefs. So it was a really good experience. But at the start of this year, one thing that I became aware of is that we didn't have a fantasy football or a fantasy sports managing editor even though there was a, a Twitter account for it. And there were sometimes articles. I know, Alessandra, last year, you wrote a, a few articles about fantasy try football. To. Yeah, I tried to. But there was no one there to really push the content out. And so when I came to that realization, also knowing that Braden could probably do the managing editor job, he's, I know he's taken a lot of steps uh, forward in the last year that I've been with uh, full press coverage. I, I decided to just jump at the opportunity. I love fantasy football. Uh, as much as I enjoyed f- real football, I, I think the fantasy aspect to me is is the my favorite part of it. So uh, for me it was just a, an opportunity I asked. Uh, they liked my work enough that they said yes. And so one of the things I also wanted to do was, well, about this platform, full press coverage has their own radio network. They have a, a bunch of different podcasts, but no fantasy football. So I talked to the man, uh, the editor-in chief, Ian Glendon. he I asked him, i do a podcast he said yes and the rest was just history now i asked dean williams who is our other co-host he does a few podcasts for full press coverage uh for the boys podcast which is a tennessee titans centric podcast and then knowing that alessandro was uh writing articles for fantasy i decided to ask him too and that's where we all got involved
1: beautiful well i'm glad you guys took the step to start that because Here's the reality, guys. Fantasy football analysts are the the premier minds in football analysis. We look at this stuff from a totally different perspective, and in in, in a way that those old school, those crusty old coaches, you know, it, John Gruden last year, talking about just going with his gut as opposed to looking at statistics when it comes to things like you know going for it on for fourth down going for it you know going for two things like that it's 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 just so antiquated and fantasy analysts have just a much greater perspective on the way the game can and should be played it's not it's not just the game that we play it's the game uh, that our game is based around we have a better idea of how this stuff works so i'm glad you guys took that step that's pretty important so uh senator went from being upside down to uh sideways on my screen so um well while he, oh, we're while going,
3: I'm, I'm falling all night with this <laughs>
1: well, well, <laughs> <laughs> well while he's spinning counterclockwise i'm gonna ask him to talk <laughs> and uh and see how this turns out alessandro uh, so mm. what can the listeners expect from the podcast, and what do you guys have planned for this podcast?
3: Well, we can expect that I'm going to keep turning upside down and around and around.
1: A- at this point, then, you cannot promise that. You're upside down again.
3: Oh, yeah, man. It's going it's <laughs> to be a full 360 by the end of the night. Perfect. But uh, now what what the listeners going to expect is that we're going to talk about deep sleepers. And we're going to talk about who is outside the top one hundred and fifty that you need to talk about. Okay, we're going to talk about those hidden gems that you will never ever hear about, but they're going to come around. They're going to be coming and knocking.
1: Beautiful, set it up perfectly for us. Uh, before we get into it, though, I want to I I, I want to hear from you, Alessandro, a little bit about you guys' own your own podcast and uh, what that's going to look like. Um, for the listeners that you currently have, and the the listeners that are yet to come.
3: Well, you know our our podcast is pretty cool. You know, we it's just like uh, my man over here said it. It's a small world after all. No, um, we're we're kind of crazy on that podcast too. You know, I'm me being a Jets fan, and then you got an Eagles fan. And then you got a Canadian, you know, we're, we're all, you know, a little bit different. So it, it's it's definitely interesting, you know. And um, we, we talk about uh, the guys that uh, we call them sleepers or guys that you'll find in deeper leagues. We make sure that you know who they are. Okay, you know, just, just like my man Kyle over here said Justice Hill last week. And I said Benny Sneal. And then we got my man Dean, who is currently not with us. He said some random Miles Sanders from Philly. You know, we're talking about those guys, you know, the rookies. They're coming in. They're going to be coming to their own, and they're going to be making some noise. And we need to make sure people understand that. So, you know, we're trying to keep people informed, you know, for the up-and-comers and and for the people who are relevant right now. So we just kind of spread the love all around.
0: We figured for our rookie episode, talking about rookies kind of made the most sense.
3: Yeah,
1: no, that <laughs> makes total sense. And uh, now the podcast gets to grow along with this 2019 rookie class. And uh, <laughs> it, you guys all just kind of develop together and uh, uh, you're linked eternally. So <laughs> let's get to uh, to this episode, though. Uh, Alessandro set us up, so let's just jump right in. Again, we're looking for some uh, some deep dynasty stashes, guys who are ranked outside. The top 150 in uh, in ADP, um, which is available at DLF, our Superflex ADP. Right now, it's still on April. It's just about to get updated. We're wrapping up Superflex mocks right now. And so we're going to have some fresh ADP within the next week. So let's start with James, though. We haven't heard from from the brain in a while um that's not always a bad thing but uh let's let's see what he's going to see what he's going to do this week um uh, i i full disclosure here and i said this a couple weeks ago too i almost didn't make it on to this episode either um it it was kind of fluke luck that i made it on uh but it was also because i knew that if there wasn't enough representation here James already kind of has free reign to to crap all over Stompy's guys. Devonta mm-hmm. Freeman kind of is the, is, I think the big name that we're gonna um, see attacked here. And I don't, I personally don't have no intentions of really defending him. But I mean, it, if I wasn't here either, I mean, you would have just run through all of our guys.
2: You oh, absolutely. You I I actually had a second show sheet that I was going to send everyone that was just us talking about all the guys that you guys are high on and us just ragging on them. Yeah. So it was already, it was already in the works. I was just waiting for confirmation that you weren't going to make it. And then when you said you were going to be here, man, I, I put it on the back burner. It's not gone because one day, one day that show sheet's coming out, but yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah.
1: And if, if either Kyle or Alessandro had anything nice to say about Marcus Mariota or Corey Davis, they would have first of all been booted off the podcast, and then they would have been blocked in every single social media uh, outlet that there is.
2: Oh my god! Yeah, I'm I'm all on block party. Yep. Mo, whoa, this whoa, week. Whoa, so. whoa,
3: whoa, whoa, I would defend Mariota just for a simple fact that I love his name, Marcus Mariota. How can you not love that name? Come on, man! Hey,
1: say it with the uh, the Italian accent.
3: <laughs> Marcus Mariota. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, and that a that's offense,
1: I can't even argue love. with it. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody adjust your rankings accordingly.
0: <laughs> maybe if Mariota goes by with that accent and all the broadcasters call him that, then
3: in real life, oh, yeah, that's actually fifty yards per game. it'll right help there. him play better.
0: It's yeah, actually
3: 50 to, yards per game.
1: You you have to do the the hand gesture too. Kyle was just doing it. The uh, you know how how uh, almost like you just did the the you know the chef like finger kiss thing. After you, uh, after you, while you're saying his name, while you're pronouncing it with that Italian accent, you have to do the hand gesture. There's no way around it. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. You have to. You're, if you're Italian, I'm sorry for all you Italian listeners. You understand this. For all the non-Italian listeners, we talk with our hands. Look, right now, I'm like, I like my hand is. down. Nope. I'm still talking. I'm. I can't help it, man. It's just. <laughs> it's just natural.
1: Yeah. No. It's. A, it's a requirement. I mean, again, I'm not Italian at all. And I'm still doing it while I'm saying Marcus Mariota,
3: <laughs> Alessandro, Marcus yeah. That, you know what? That's it for all the guys we want to be naming tonight. That's all I want to do. Italian accents all the way through.
1: Oh, that's perfect. We need more of that. Yes, uh, we do. Maybe James could do a Pig Latin with all his guys.
2: Nope, James cannot do a Pig Latin. James, I, I don't, I don't think James can do any accents. He could, uh, he could Probably bring on the not. dude though. Yeah, can we that get guy. southern Alabama? <laughs> no, no,
3: no, we can't.
2: <laughs> I'd have to kill way too many brain cells. Sorry, um,
3: <laughs> he wouldn't be James the Brain anymore. Yeah, we,
2: yeah. That, oh. yeah, that nickname would be ironic at that point. Um, <laughs> all right, so I'm gonna start with my guy here before I get myself in any more trouble. Um, <laughs> and, and the guy that I think is is an awesome deep stash is Nick Mullins. Look, Nick Mullins proved last year that he was a capable starting quarterback in this league, in a league that doesn't have enough capable quarterbacks. Nick Mullins is valuable, and I think waiting until the preseason and waiting until you see almost inevitably a quarterback's going to get suspended or a quarterback's going to get hurt in the preseason, and a guy like Nick Mullins is going to have value because teams are going to look and go, what do we do this year? Hey, What about Nick Mullins? This is a guy who proved that, you know, he was more than capable last year in his spot starts with San Francisco. I think this is a guy who I'm stashing because in super flex leagues, you're always looking for a quarterback that you can keep on your bench that has that upside. And I think Nick Mullins has that upside. He can be a starting quarterback in this league based off of what I saw in San Francisco when he got playing time. So there's not an easy path for him to to playing time in San Francisco. I don't think that, but I do think that there is a path for him to playing time somewhere. He's going to be valued pretty highly, especially if a team that's a contender has a quarterback injury and doesn't like their backup situation and uh, I, that's probably about 80% of the teams in the NFL because backup quarterbacks are are it's brutal out there when you look at the depth charts of some of these teams. So I think a guy like Nick Mullins has has that potential to be a guy who you take really late in the draft even in Superflex he's not going very high his ADP is 225 uh according to Superflex ADP on dynastyweekfootball.com um and so you know being that that's his price. You don't have to take him very high You just stash him on your bench and you just wait for his value to go up So Nick bones is a guy that I'm really high on guys Am I totally crazy on this or is this somebody that you guys? Uh, kind of feel the same way about Man,
3: I'm with you, you know when Jimmy G went down Nick Mullins stepped in It was not a pretty picture the way he inherited a shit show, but you know, he came in he did his magic I, bl- I totally agree with you, man
2: Nice, nice. What about you, Kyle? What do you think?
3: Uh, Well, you talked about
0: 2019. I'm almost looking forward to 2020. He's a restricted free agent next year. Mm -hmm. If a team's really desperate at quarterback, maybe assign him to an offer sheet that's so big that the 49ers can't match and he ends up somewhere else next year starting. So I think in terms of stash, especially at quarterbacks, I think it's the one position where you you almost feel, you know, with quarterbacks, they – they can last so long, unlike running backs, right? You can have quarterbacks play into their late 30s very effectively. Mm -hmm. So it's, quarterbacks not really a position that you should be afraid of having a guy on your bench for a year, knowing that, okay, maybe next year, maybe the year after. And yeah, if we're talking deep stashes, Mullins seems to kind of fit that. I mean, he had, in the eight games he played last year, 64.2 completion percentage, 13 to 10 touchdown interception ratio. Yeah, the TD and INT score is not the greatest, but if he goes to a team next year, potentially that runs more in the red zone, unlike the 49ers, maybe that he can showcase some more. So yeah, I like, I like the like pick.
2: Nice. John, tell me that, uh, tell me that you like Nick Mullins, especially because he's way better than Marcus Mariota. <laughs> <laughs> I... <laughs> what is
1: <sighs> listen? I was actually, oh. I, I was going to talk about how good Nick Mullins is going to look in uh, tampa bay pewter next year um i i it, it's actually kind of crazy that nick mullins doesn't have a starting job right now but uh, that's a that's a much better fit for me plus it's a little bit more diplomatic between you and i james to talk about <laughs> nick mullins being the future of the tampa bay buccaneers offense
2: yeah i love that
1: yeah uh and and that way we don't have to get into it over marcus mariota just yet um, well, I, it's going to happen inevitably, but let's, let's start with low hanging fruit here and go after the guy who is far less likely to keep his job, even for this entire season, much less beyond.
2: Yeah, I can't, I can't, I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah. James Winston is, is hot garbage and I would take Mariota <laughs> over Winston. So I'm, I totally Thank agree you. with you there. That's, Thank you. That's, yeah we can we can move on
1: finally some common ground all right well in that case yeah before these guys have a chance to uh to disagree with us we better move on to the next one and uh let's go with alessandro here and give us a uh one of your uh stash guys all
3: right right. my stash guy you guys need to you know bump up a stance a little bit is cj anderson okay cj anderson (laughs) you gotta go with him okay doesn't matter what you do, what you believe in, how you play the game, doesn't matter. I don't care. Listen very closely. Running backs are the future. And this man, he's was he, 253 on your sheets over here. Did terrible in Denver. I love the guy. He's great. He did good. He just couldn't get the starting job in Denver. He got it, and then he lost. And we're like, oh shit. And then he went and he got traded out in 17. Well, he came in 13. Left in 17, so only four years there. Maso menos, maso menos. And then he went to Carolina. Wasn't there very long. And then he went to the Rams where he said, who's Todd Gurley? This man ran. Whoof. Did he run? He made Todd Gurley look like my damn running back, you know, before I had Le'Veon Bell. Okay. Let's put it that way. This man, running backs are the thing. If you want to get points, get a running back. If you want to get points, get a running back. If you want to get points, oh, wait, get a running back, okay? Running backs are guaranteed to get you points. And CJ Anderson going to Detroit where they have, like, I don't know, they had Garrett LeBlanc. I'm not sure he's entirely there still because he's not that relevant anymore. Whoops. But uh, he's there. You got Anderson there. Stafford ain't that great anymore. Sorry, Stafford. Love you, but you ain't that great anymore you need to run him back and they're going to lean on him because theo riddick is terrible The guy from way years ago i don't remember what his name like jones a jones or something like that the running back zach Zenner that's his name yeah he's terrible he's gone anderson's going to lead that backfield and he's going to bump up in the stats and he's going to make some magic you gotta trust in the running backs nice well i
2: i tell you what i uh I like CJ Anderson as a sleeper. I think I think I have a little bit of a different perspective because I like Carryon Johnson a lot and I think Carry-on's going to be the guy. But CJ Anderson, you're right, man. When he came in and he got to showcase his ability, he did really good. I mean, he he immediately when he signed in in, you know, f- with the Rams in LA, he he became the backup to Todd Gurley, and when Todd Gurley, you know, wasn't wasn't doing so hot when he had that knee injury and he wasn't taking carries, C.J. Anderson was the guy. He was bull. He was just bullying people over at the line. He looked really good. So I think, you know, there's opportunity for him a- absolutely. If uh, if Carry on, uh, you know, doesn't live up to the hype or if he gets hurt, I think C.J. Anderson definitely is a guy that you can stash. And not not to mention the fact that you know. A stash is somebody that we're, we're we're stashing. We're waiting on him to produce. And I think you can wait on a guy like CJ Anderson because he's not he doesn't cost you much. Like you said, his ADP is 253 right now, according to DynastyLakeFootball.com. Uh, Superflex ADP. And so with that being said, you don't have to invest a whole lot on him. You can take him as your like fifth or sixth back and you could just stash him and you could just wait because that's that's a guy that I think its value is only going to go up. So no, I agree with you, Alessandro. I like that. Uh, what about you, Kyle? How do you feel about about, uh, cj anderson
0: well yeah i don't know if cj is gonna usurp carry on johnson but we did see last year legarrett blunt had 154 carries to johnson's 118 now there was some johnson was injured uh and even in the red zone blunt 26 carries to carry on johnson 17 carries now with all the injuries with the injury to johnson in in mind that that's probably about even in terms of per game splits but still, like the uh, the Lions showed last year that they wanted to run a lot, but not just with one person. We'll see if Carry On can bulk up in the offseason. Maybe this year he's he shows more durability. But if that doesn't happen, they're gonna need someone to get you know upward of a hundred carries. And uh, like like Alessandro mentioned, uh, Theo Theoretic, not really doing much for you on the ground. Zach Zenner, a total meh player. Like I mean he was he's always Whenever he's needed, usually the one or two games a year he starts, he, he does all right. Gets you some touchdowns. He can handle 15 carries sometimes, but not someone you want at more than one or two weeks. So I, th- I think, yeah, for this late, he uh, said 253 uh, as an average draft position. That's pretty good. So I, th- I really like C.J. Anderson as well. Uh, The other thing, too, is for next year, he's a free agent. This is just a one-year contract. So even if carry-on does take the bulk of the work, well, maybe C.J. Anderson might go to a team where he can get more carries. So it could work out either way, whether he stays in Detroit long-term or goes.
1: I'm pretty high on carry-on Johnson this year, but, I mean, you'll almost have to plan for these running backs to miss some time. And the moment that that happens, C.J. Anderson becomes you know, a, a low end RB one. So it, yeah, certainly worth a stash. I mean, especially at that low ADP and almost a must handcuff uh, for carry on Johnson at this point. Uh, but we'll move through these maybe a little faster uh, just to make sure we can get them all in, in this episode. So we'll go with uh, Kyle on your next one. Another running back.
0: <laughs> I don't know if you guys want to rose off. Off Brandon, do two <laughs> running backs in a row, but uh, I'm going with Justice Hill. Now, his ADP is a little bit higher than most of the other guys that we're going to do today. Uh, ADP right now on uh, Dynasty League Football Superflex ADP of 165. Uh, now this is for April, so I this might he might go up and actually get over this 150 and be an illegal pick here. But for now, uh, the reason I like Justice Hill. Right from the start, uh, this year in this uh, rookie process, watching film on all the running backs, I had 31 different running backs that I watched three games from. And of all those guys, I get, had the second highest score to Justice Hill. David Montgomery was the only one higher. I mean, he was, Justice Hill was right there, just above Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders. But to me, his ability to constantly be moving his feet through tackles, even though he's not a big guy, he's, he's able to kind of keep his momentum going a little bit by churning his feet something that uh a lot of good running backs do and a lot of bad running backs don't do so it's it's a good tendency to have already in college but i think with justice hill though it's the it's the explosiveness the ability as a pass catcher uh, his speed in space and now i know uh stompy's not here so i have to have the lamar jackson is gonna have a great season take but i do really think that jackson will improve quite significantly Um, The other thing, too, that I like about Jackson is his throwing over the middle is a lot better than his throwing to the sidelines. I've noticed that just watching him and even just last year uh, watching tape before season. But uh, I I looked at some charts and it showed that his completion percentage over the middle at uh, anywhere up to about 20 yards is actually above league average whereas it's below league average on the sides. So where is Justice Hill going to have, do a lot of his damage in the receiving game? Probably out of screens, maybe sometimes in the slot things in the middle. So I think he's going to get good targets from Lamar Jackson there. And, uh, Kenneth Dixon, uh, Gus Edwards are there, but, uh, um, I believe that both of them are free agents next year. Gus Edwards will be a restricted free agent, but there's a good chance that Dixon could be gone next year. And that leaves just Ingram and Hill. And, I. Uh, even as early as this year, I think Dixon's a good pass catcher, but I think Justice Hill offers more explosiveness, a bit extra speed than, than Dixon does. So even as early as this year, I think Hill has a great opportunity in front of him. I think Dynasty players need to can get him now for real cheap. I think he's someone that next offseason, we could see his ADP bump 50 spots, potentially. What do you guys think?
2: Nice, yeah, I I, uh, I like Justice Hill. I do. I, I like the landing spot. I think I think you kind of nailed it uh, with everything. That was very interesting. The stats on Lamar Jackson, though, by the way, that inside the hash, um, inside the hash marks, you know, over the middle of the field, uh, his completion percentage is you know above week average, and that much better than it is outside the hashes. That's an interesting thing to monitor, um, you know, as as moving forward, um, you know. Kind of, kind of states some value at the tight end position, too. But uh, but it'll be interesting to kind of monitor how that works out. But, uh, no, Justice Hill, I, I, I think you did your homework on this. It makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, if he doesn't have a whole lot of value this year, he's a guy you can stash. And next year, it sounds like, you know, that backfield gets a whole lot less crowded. And it sounds like he is, at worst, a handcuff to Mark Ingram, um, you know, moving forward. And, you know, Mark Ingram I love – but uh, he's, he, you know, he's got some miles on those legs. He's definitely uh, gotten a lot of usage, and he's getting up there in age too. So, uh, you know, being behind him, you know, might not be a bad thing, especially on an offense that ran as much as they did last year. So, um, I like Justice Hill a lot. I think uh, I think his role is yet to be determined. So you're you're taking on a little bit of risk with that, just because you don't know what you're going to get this year. But like you said, I mean, th- this is a stash. So you know, stash him, and even if you have to wait a year, you know, uh, next year might be the year that he gets more opportunity. Um, so I like that. What do you think, Adesan
3: Um, I like Justice Hill. You know, it's just like we said on me and Kyle's podcast the other day, Look, he's a great guy. He's going to come up. I guarantee it. I'm not seeing anything bad with it. He just has to compete with Mark Ingram. And, you know, he, you're right. Ingram's got some mileage on him. He does. He, he's, I don't know, what, 30-something almost? He's got some mileage on him. He's still got those angry runs, though, so you got to watch out for that because he can still, you know, he, he could take away some touchdowns from Justice Hill and take away some of that production. And then you got Gus Bus. Uh, if Gus, unless anything short of a breakout year, you know, I can see Justice Hill overtaking him. But, you know, until then, he has to go with Mark Ingram and Gus Bus, Ken Dixon and the other running backs that they have, uh, nothing more than special teamers or goodbye, you know, goodbye kids. So I can't really see them causing much, too much trouble. So, yeah, I, I like Justice Hill. He, he, uh, he's definitely going to go up. I wouldn't say 50 spots, but guaranteed at least 20. At least John,
2: most. John, are you foaming at the mouth right now, waiting to defend your boy, Kenneth Dixon? Oh, of course. Yeah, <laughs> uh, of course.
1: I mean, Kenneth uh, – okay, here's the problem, though. I'm not much of a – I'm not much of a Debbie guy. I'm not much of a rookie scout. So I, I really have to kind of defer to you guys on on the merits of Justice Hill. All I know is Kenneth Dixon is uh, – the, the whole issue has just been health. It hasn't been performance. I mean, when he's on the field, he's clearly been the best offensive weapon that they've had over the last several seasons. But I, those those opportunities have just been so few and far between. And I'll certainly acknowledge that there's a chance here that they're tired of waiting. You know, we don't use the injury prone label here on the Super Flex Super Show, but it's very possible that the Baltimore Ravens front office and coaching staff does use that label. And if they do, you would probably apply it to Kenneth Dixon. So, you know, maybe this is a, maybe this signing is just, or this, this selection of Justice Hill is a, is a signal that they're tired of waiting on, on Kenneth Dixon. I think it's just as likely though, that this backfield can support both Justice Hill and Kenneth Dixon. I think that Mark Ingram is the more likely to suffer because I mean, the more dynamic playmakers that you get on the field at the same time, the better it works with what Lamar Jackson does with that run pass offense. You know, you, you can, you can do so much more and you can disguise so much of what you're trying to do when you've got a mobile quarterback like that. So I, I, I'm not worried about Kenneth Dixon. Um, I think that you guys make valid points uh, as far as Justice Hill versus Kenneth Dixon, I just don't know that the two are going to be ultimately going to be mutually exclusive.
3: Well, do you think Kenneth Dixon's gonna outrun running back Lamar Jackson? I mean quarterback Lamar Jackson.
1: <laughs> that I don't I don't think that anybody <laughs> is gonna even have the opportunity to do that. Uh twenty seven carries in a game. That's that's kind of the the bar here, I suppose. Uh, But I'm going to, I'm going to get to my guy. Um, I put him down as a wide receiver, but he's not. We actually have yet another running back to talk about with an ADP of 257. And I got to give a shout out here to my boy D bro on Twitter. Uh, He actually was the one that brought this up today. So Melvin Ingram is going into a walk year. Um, who's? Who, I think they have another. Uh, they have another Austin, back. Also, going yes. Yeah, Austin. Yes. Yeah. Eckler. Eckler is also going into a walk year here. Mm-hmm. Just, and and on top of all that, Melvin Ingram just has not played a full healthy season yet as a pro. And Justin Jackson has filled in admirably, uh, at least in 2018. Um, we've we've seen what Justin Jackson can do. There's a good chance here that San Diego decides to move on from Melvin Ingram after 2018, because it's a highly replaceable position. The running back position. We, we know that that there's not a huge difference between one back and another, generally speaking is in terms of talent. it, It really means very little. And that's why you can afford to, that's why you can move on from Melvin Gordon and you can allocate those those funds to a different position. You can even draft a rookie and and but I, I think that Justin Jackson likely gets the first shot at the starting job in 2020. You know, assuming this all plays out the way we kind of expect, the way the way I expect it to. And uh, I I think that he's already shown them enough that he could be at least their workhorse back, at least their feature back, if not the bell cow, and kind of consolidate what both Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler do. Anyone disagree? Anyone agree?
2: Yeah, I, I, man, I like, I I like Justin Jackson. Let me start with that. I, I, I don't think the long-term plan is to get rid of Melvin Gordon, though. Um, so I think you know he, he's going to have to find value outside of you know uh, you know as 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 a primary backup. Um, I do think that Austin Eckler is going to command top dollar once he hits the market, just because of his skill set and what he can do. Um, he's proven that he can take the you know the 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 lead work share uh, of a running back committee too. So I think if there's a team that's looking for a committee or looking for an elect an electric guy out of the backfield that can, yeah, uh, <laughs> an electric guy out of the backfield that can. I like can how make, you
1: caught yourself on that. Yeah,
2: one. yeah, I did. I knew I was. He's, I was, he's no turning
1: person, an, and we
2: all know that. No, no, no one is. Um, but no, he's he, he's the kind of guy though that can make a play, a, a big play, you know, off of you know a, a small screen pass or a or a, a five yard, you know, uh, pass over the middle. So I, I, I like uh, his skill set, and I think. He, he probably becomes too expensive for them to bring back. I think Justin Jackson is the kind of guy that they can trust to be the number two there though. I think he's the kind of guy that they can trust to fill in for, uh, for Melvin Gordon. If he does go down and he's the kind of guy that they can, they can rely on to, you know, to, to, to give him a breather every now and then when they need to so I think his value is going to be good and I definitely feel like you know with what you're what you're paying now you stash him and you see how his situation you know goes if it gets any better if he gets that promotion even you know to again even as a running back two I mean this is a guy that's being drafted you know 257 I mean if he's if he becomes a running back two on a team that scores a lot like the chargers do, you know, that's, that's not a bad gig, especially um, for where you're getting them. So no, I, I, I like it. Um, what do you guys think, Kyle? Uh, Alessandro, what do you guys? Well, you raised your uh, hand,
3: Alessandro. So you go first. Yes. Cause I, I have to object to a lot of things here and I want to play a little bit of my bias in this. Okay. So Justin Jackson, I have a problem with him. I have a big problem with him, but I want to get to someone first. Austin Eckler. He's the number two back. And I think that he's going to stay. Melvin Gordon, I think he's going to stay too. You know, barring any injury, like, because I know his knee got a little shoddy there last season, but barring any injury, he's going to stay there until his time is up. They think Austin Eckler, when he walks, I don't think he's going to be back to um, the Chargers. So here, here's my problem with Justin Jackson. He is killing my man right now. And I'm going, this is where my bias comes in. Detres Newsom. He went to my university with me. So, yes, I am a little bit biased. I'm sorry. But he is a four-stringer slash more special teamer running back. My man's not gotten any work, but he came on Chargers, UDFA, and he's posted up 50 yards on five carries. So that's about 10 yards a carry. You know, and so he he's he, the only reason why he actually actually has, you know, some numbers is because he went in when – you know, Eckler and Gordon were out for those few little bit. So, but my man right here, he is the real deal. You know, he put up massive numbers at school. You know, he still has, he walked away from Western Carolina with a little under 7,000 all purpose yards, which is the all time. At the school, he posted 16, 100 rushing yard games, which is second school history. And it's a record in the Southern Conference. And I know it's the Southern Conference. I get it. Trust me. I'm here in Gamecock country. So, But he he's shining. So do I think Justin Jackson can pull it off? Yes. But keep an eye on DeTrez Newsome. That man is also there. But as far as Justin Jackson goes, uh, I like the guy. I just I don't think he has the future with the Chargers if they keep Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. You know, Eckler may leave, so he may have a possibility as a second back. But uh, so long as Melvin Gordon's there, I really don't see him really getting that spurt. Uh, maybe a touchdown dependent running back, but I don't know, man.
2: All right, Alessandro, I gotta ask if the, if this is your guy. Um, if this is your guy, that's that's the you know the fourth string running back right now on the chargers how come he's not on this list man this is a deep stash list you just went to bat for this guy you just told me all about him how come how come you didn't put him on this list
3: i only got two options man i gotta talk at least about one of my jets
2: oh man oh that's heartbreaking because i i think you brought the heat with that i think that take is is uh look yeah no 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 no, no oh yeah it's a hot take
3: for sure because Look, I love my man Dietrez, okay? You know, he, we called him D train at college. Why? Because he would hit people and keep going. Maybe we call him D train for a reason. But the problem is he four stringer. They're using him as a actual UDFA, you know, special team role, which it's fine. It's giving him work. He's staying on the team. the fact that he's on the team still and they haven't cut him says a lot. So he's still there. But you know, Like I said, the same thing with Justin Jackson. If Eckler and Gordon are still there, my man's not going to get any any show time. And if he actually gets the rock, I promise you, he will run it down. He will take it on. So, you know what? Guys, if you want to take Detrez, you got to go find him deep, 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 deep all the way in the back of his own because – He's just so undervalued. I'm not even sure he's ranked kind of undervalued. And that that breaks my heart a little bit. But you know what? I fully believe in this man. If he can stay on the Chargers and outshine, you know, in the preseason, you know, Justin Jackson, Austin Eckler, if he can actually get his, you know, time slot, I'm telling you, DeTrez Newsome, he will run. He is burly. He is big. He's 5'11", 210. So, you know, he's a little bit short, but, you know, he's got some weight behind him. So he'll hit and he'll keep going. You know what I'm saying? He's still young. He can still do it. Eckler, get the hell out of there. I need my man to get in, okay? <laughs> All
2: right, man. Well Kyle, yeah, uh, real so, quick, man.
1: Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no. <laughs> no that, that, it's interesting stuff about Newsom. And it sounds like he might be a dynasty stash as well. Um, certainly worth a worth a stash. I, I just want to point out real quick for everybody. they the Chargers have a lot of defensive players coming up on contracts and that's where you want to allocate those funds. You want to keep Melvin Ingram, Joey Bosa, you know, that secondary. You want to keep all those guys together. And the the way the way the good NFL teams manage their their salary caps is by letting those running backs get to that first contract and then let them go. Let them go somewhere else the The way that you build the type of depth that the Chargers have is by prioritizing the positions that give you the most long term value and the most value over replacement at their positions. So, so that's that's kind of where my theory comes from on Melvin Gordon. I don't think that Melvin Gordon's getting a new contract from the Chargers, but yeah, I, I am curious to hear what Kyle thinks about this uh, this entire situation.
0: Well, we know that Gordon has had some injury issues. I mean, he's a running back, so that's, that's sort of that goes with the territory. If anything, he's actually been fairly durable for a running back. Last year, he missed a couple games during the fantasy playoffs. I guess that was where uh, fantasy managers really felt it. Although he did apologize, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah, and he apologized specifically to fantasy football managers. Uh, but the, and I think because of his injury history, it makes Justin Jackson really. Uh, really intriguing. Uh, Last year, whenever they tried to give Austin Eckler the bulk of the carries, it really didn't work. You know, he showed that he needs to be on the outside. He's not someone who's good to run up the middle and Justin Jackson is. So I think the one thing for sure, if you're a Melvin Gordon manager, you, you should really think about handcuffing Justin Jackson and not handcuffing Austin Eckler. Eckler probably has more standalone value with, especially in PPR leagues and receptions, but me J- jackson's the handcuff to gordon and if john is right he could be the future lead back in, in for the Chargers.
1: nice all right back to you james for your second stash guy
2: yeah my second guy is a deep stash he is uh currently going at uh his adp is at 236 uh, again, on um, DynastyLeagueFootball.com, Superflex edp, And that is Keyshawn Johnson, wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals. And look, Just
1: give him the damn ball.
2: I'm telling you, man. I, look, Arizona drafted a bunch of receivers, right? And their receiving position, I, I have no idea how they're going to utilize any of these guys. So let's kind of take a look at it. Lawyer Fitzgerald is, is likely winding his career down, right? I mean, he, he had a great career. But it's got to be coming to an end sooner rather than later, I think. Um, so, you know, you, you're going to probably need to find somebody uh, eventually to take over that spot. Right. Um, so who, who did you have You yet? Uh, you know, you got Christian Kirk there, but you got a new regime and Kirk wasn't their guy. They didn't take him. So I don't know how they feel about him. Well. The fact they drafted three wide receivers and two of them project to be slot guys tells me that I don't think they're very high on them. So we have Andy Isabella who is, uh, you know, by, by all, all, uh, um, all accounts, he you know, analytics wise, he he's a, a guy who who can't miss. But he went to a really small school. Um, he's going to take some time to adjust. I think we have Akeem Butler who dropped in the draft. I think he's more of an outside threat than a uh, a slot guy. So then we look at a guy like Keyshawn Johnson who's getting overlooked because he was the third guy drafted in Arizona. However, his tape at F- uh, Fresno State showed that he's he's a fantastic player. Um, he can play this game at a high level. He's got great hands. He's a good route runner. Um, I think he projects nicely in the slot. It's just going to depend on how Arizona is going to use these guys. I think I I don't think anybody knows how these receivers are going to be used there. So give me the guy that I can take the latest. I'll stash him on my bench and I'll see how he's used. If he's utilized well, if they go to a, you know, a spread type offense where they got four or five wide receivers out there, you know, Keyshawn Johnson may shine. He may be the guy that, uh, that, that emerges as the guy that they, uh, they lean on. I I don't know what Kyler Murray is going to do at quarterback there. I don't know what the system's going to be. So there's a lot of unknowns. So, you know, if I can have a piece of that offense that I can get very late and I can just kind of stash and see what I got, that's that's what I'm going to do. So um, that's my guy, Keyshawn Johnson.
1: Man, I don't know how to sort through that that Arizona uh, passing game. I mean, just especially when they bring in so many different rookies. I, I don't know how you how you differentiate one from another and they so many of them do similar things. It's, it's, I think it's going to be a mess, but I'm curious if uh, Alessandro or Kyle, if either of you guys has a, has a light, you could shine on this for us.
3: Yeah, real simple. The jets, they came into a uh, mini camp with 19 wide receivers. We walked out with six of them. Trust me, they'll figure it out. There's going to be a lot of special teamers. There are going to be wide receivers uh, if Kyle Murray is going to stick to the Oklahoma type of style, it's going to be a complete air raid offense. And they're just going to keep rotating those wide receivers. In and out. the thing about Larry Fitz, he's probably about five of those rookies. You need about five rookies to make one Larry Fitz. So they're probably going to be using it like that. So I'm saying. <laughs> all right,
1: Alessandra. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, Alessandra, give us your, uh, your second stash.
3: My second stash is Trayvon Wethko, okay? He's a rookie. The Jets just trade well, actually, when trade, drafted, actually. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Look, this man, he's going to do something. And the reason why I'm saying this, granted, the Jets have one, two, three, four, four tight ends in their uh, room right now. They just got rid of a tight end, okay? Jordan mm-hmm. Leggett. I'm sorry, never never trust a Clemson player. I know, I know I'm know, in Cock country. I know I am like this, and unless it's a quarterback or a receiver, do not trust a Clemson player, okay? they will lead you to many, many, many heartbreaks. Trayvon Westco he's an absolute monster. He was a dual back. When I say dual back, I mean he caught the ball and he hit you, so that way you didn't hit his guy. He is a dual back, Okay. He, he's going to take up the targets. Chris Herndon is the number one tight end. I'm not going to dispute that right now. Uh, Wesco is not ranked. I'm sure that's going to change very greatly, but I don't think he's going to break 150, not until he shows off his talents. And he's going to be more or less handcuffed to touchdowns. I'm sorry, guys. That's the kind of the name of the game in the Jets' dumpster fire situation over there. Dun, dun, dun. But, um... Yeah, he's going to be a touchdown-dependent tight end, as most tight ends are, but he's definitely going to be it. Chris Herndon for the Jets, he's going to be more of a receiving tight end, so you get some yardage and touchdowns. But Weska's going to rule as number two because he can actually receive. You know, you got Eric Tomlinson. Tomlinson's blocking tight end, period, nothing more. Daniel Brown's just there to, you know, boost morale for the other guys. I don't know who the hell he is. So, uh, yeah, just keep an eye on Trayvon Wesco, because he's definitely going to be something.
1: Any thoughts on that, Kyle?
0: Um, uh, I, I think the only one that's real thre- threat to Wesco in front of him is Chris Herndon. So, like Alessandro said, all you, all you have to do is beat out one guy, and he's suddenly a starting tight end in the NFL. So, uh, Yeah, definitely for, for a guy that's not ranked in the DLF Superflex ADP, I think it goes all the way down to 280. So if he's if he's past two hundred and eighty, I mean that's that's cheap, free basically. Might as well take a shot.
1: Yeah, he might make it onto the newer ADP, but man, I kind of doubt it. This uh, this is a super deep one, and I think it's going to stay that way. So, so I really like that one, uh, even as much as this is a Chris Herndon podcast. I think that mm-hmm. uh, that's a that's a very interesting one. So, let's get your uh, your second stash, uh, Kyle.
0: So another guy that. Like we just mentioned, is unranked outside the two hundred and eighty here. Uh, Dakiel Williams, uh, I I don't I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him. He was uh, he was in college in the starting in twenty twelve. Uh, he went to Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, and in two years there, he had one hundred and eighteen receptions for over two thousand yards and twenty six touchdowns. He was actually the, uh, I guess not really sure how intricate the college system works exactly, but Says here that he was the number one junior college recruit in 2014. So I'm guessing with junior colleges, you get enough chances to you can take recruits from those schools. I guess that's what Aaron Rodgers did. He went from a junior college to Cal, uh, and uh, Williams ended up going to Auburn. Uh, he did pretty well it, uh, at Auburn, but he was uh, dismissed from the team in 2015, his second year there. He uh, got into a bar fight, with a teammate broke his nose or broke his jaw or something, and uh, Auburn dismissed him from the school completely. He declared for the draft that following year. He went undrafted. He signed with the Rams. uh, And he got cut at the end of training camp. So, so far, NFL history that it it has stopped. However, Williams went to the CFL for two seasons. And as Alessandro hinted at before, I'm Canadian. And I do watch the CFL. I do really like it a lot. And I I will admit that, you know, the, the quality of talent isn't what it is in the NFL. But still, in two seasons of professional football, he... This last season, 2018, actually quite dominated the league, really. Uh, his first year, it wasn't too bad. He only played 13 games, but he had four 100-yard games. And his second year really broke out for 88 receptions, 1,579 yards, and 11 touchdowns. Um, playing against professional athletes is something. It's Playing against professional cornerbacks, It's it's difficult. Yes, there are some colleges that have a lot of future pros on it, but at the same time, they're not fully developed athletically. So if, for someone to come into a professional football league and, de- and dominate like that, you pay attention. You noticed he's 6'3", 225 pounds. And I looked at his 40 time from back from 2016. It wasn't impressive at all. And from what I saw from him last year, it's, he's certainly gotten better. And he admits it too. His head wasn't in the right space after getting released from Auburn. Even when he was with the Rams, he didn't really try that hard, or at least to what he knows how to now. He didn't really understand how to be professional, what it took he's learned that at Edmonton. And I think now he was, uh, in January, signed by the Buffalo Bills. And, I mean, really, the one thing that I've noticed with the Bills at receiver is they don't have that giant red zone monster. Yeah, I mean, you've got John Brown, Cole Beasley. Zay Jones is 6'2", but he's also like 180 pounds, or 190 pounds, sorry. Uh, not a guy that, as we've seen in the NFL, makes really good contested catches at all. Uh, Robert Foster, same thing. He's... Again, six-two, but just around that two hundred pounds. So I think Duke Williams, as his nickname is Duke, DeKeel Williams, has a really great chance to be uh, a great receiver for the Bills this year, and potentially even their starting, uh, their their, sorry, their primary red zone weapon. Uh, So now, my original question: Did any of you guys hear about him before this?
1: No, and I mean, you had a very complete story for him. So I mean, I. It, it it makes it a little easier to believe that uh, that this is a real person <laughs> um, but i mean i will say that uh both uh, uh, duke williams and kyle senra have never been seen in the same room together
2: <laughs> i i did hear about duke williams previously um i know that really uh, yeah he well he was a guy that that even even Nobody after has. even after his issues um, he was a guy who they projected to go late in drafts, um, but his combine performance was terrible. He performed really bad at the combine, and uh, and that's kind of what caused him to go undrafted. And then he got signed by the uh, by uh, by the Rams uh, for a short period of time. Yeah, and then he was gone. He ended up going to the CFL. But really, the the, the two issues with him um, is. I mean, he, he, first off, he doesn't cost you anything. I mean, this is a guy you can get off the waiver wire. So talk about a deep stash. Um, and Buffalo's wide receivers really aren't that impressive. He doesn't have a whole lot of competition there. So um, I, that that's the pros. That's what I like. The, the cons are is there's risk. He's 26 years old, um, so you're getting an older guy. Um, I mean – He's not old old, but he's he's gonna have to contribute pretty quick here if, if you're gonna get anything out of him. You know, he, he doesn't have the luxury of learning a system and being able to sit for a couple of years. Cause if he does, then you're you know, you got a receiver at twenty-eight that you know that is just starting to produce for you. So that's that's concern number one for me. And concern number two is just can he keep, you know, can can he stay um Uh, you know, out of trouble off the field because that's been something that's followed him, you know, and, and with, with, you know, the, the the way things are right now in the NFL, I mean, um, one of the things that was reported in that bar fight was that he threw a drink at a girl. Um, I I think I remember that being one of the things that was reported. And that's, that's kind of, kind of thing that if that gets caught on video, the guys, I mean, there's no way a guy like that's getting a chance. So uh, that's just it is that, you know, he's, he's got to be able to to keep kind of his himself out of trouble off the field and, Um, He's got to he's got to adapt quick. Um, But uh, like I said, being that uh, that there's no investment cost, I mean, he's he's on your waiver wire. I mean, he just costs you a roster spot. Um, You know, there's no investment cost. I, I, I like it. I mean, it's a high upside swing and miss type guy.
1: I mean, especially in the best ball league, I don't it just any of those Buffalo wide receivers could pop. You have no idea. I mean, my, I, I'm still backing Robert Foster as the number one, but I mean, you got to think that there are going to be multiple good options there. They just lost Tyler Croft to a broken foot. I mean, there, there, oh, there's that? an opportunity here, and it's just kind of a matter of throwing throwing as many darts as you can and in a best ball super flex league. I mean, you've got every opportunity to just just roster some of these guys and see what happens so yeah that's that's an excellent one well i'm gonna give you my last one with an adp of 271 as of april and i think that here in may it's probably gonna he's probably gonna drop out altogether undrafted free agent quarterback brett ripian of the denver broncos to me is by far the 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 better project um of the two rookie quarterbacks there you go james i I get to take a dig at one of your guys drew (laughs) drew lock is total crap he should not even be on this roster and and i actually think that as much as he seems to fit the mold of what john elway wants to do i think they've been in love with brett ripian for a lot longer as far as the arm talent the arm strength uh, the mobility. This is all stuff that that John Elway loves to see and, and knew that he was going to get Brett Ripien for the price of free. So, I, I, if if Drew Locke is Paxton Lynch, then Brett Ripien is Trevor Simeon, and uh, I, I think that we see him uh, in a in a starting role far be- before we see Drew Locke there. <coughs>
3: Now starting for the New York Yankees, Alessandro yeah. Senator. All right, I gotta come in here because I got I gotta go bat for Drew Locke. Look, I talked about him on my podcast, so I gotta go for the bat, my man. Drew Lock, you don't I love have him. to, by the way. No, I no, I have to. Not never a requirement. <laughs> no, no, I have to. It's a requirement right now. Look, you can hate on Drew Lock all you want, but that man broke records in SEC defense schools. Okay, and as I've said on my podcast, and Kyle, you could vouch for this mm-hmm. SEC defenses are the closest thing you're going to get to NFL defenses. And the fact that he was able to throw NFL. records and break records, yeah, excuse me, they are NFL teams, close to NFL teams. But the fact that he could break records in that division says a lot about the man. You're right. You know, I don't know Brett Ripken. He could probably have better accuracy, better arm strength than Drew Locke, but Drew Locke, he could do a lot more. He could move his feet and get out of pocket, do a couple check downs, or toss it downfield. It doesn't matter. He's probably a lot better than Daniel Jones. Brett McKinnon is probably a lot better than Dale Jones, too.
2: Don't stop. I don't even want to hear it. I don't even want to hear it. i got to stop here. Right here. So, real quick, I do want to give a shout out. out. Oh, I, no. I'm, I'm really
1: I, conflicted here. On this.
2: Got, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you are. I have a friend. Uh, his name is Jim. And he has, I don't know how he does it. He's not a Broncos fan. But he told me last year, last year, during the season, that Joe Flacco is going to be a future Bronco. And he nailed it, right? He also told me before the draft that he didn't think the Broncos were going to draft a quarterback until later, and he thought Ripian would be the guy. So while they didn't draft Ripian, they still ended up with Ripian as an undrafted free agent, and he he's insanely high on Ripian. So um, I, I I gotta I gotta give him a shout out because that it was unreal that he was able to call all that stuff um, with the Broncos, wow. and and he is really high on Ripian, and and uh, and this is a guy who knows football, so. Um, I, I definitely am going to reevaluate them. And I think that there is a good chance that Ripien has some value here. And, uh, I, there's a lot of people I respect in the fantasy community, um, and in the, the Debbie community, um, in general that, uh, that have watched Ripien for a while and are high on them too. So, uh, you're definitely not alone with that, John, um, lock bashing. I won't, I won't stand for it
1: <laughs> by the yes, way, you it's will. Just ridiculous and you will uh, like it.
0: Well, <laughs> it, I actually it, would it, like to mention one thing about Ripien. Uh, just it's the Canadian connection, but it's also the yeah. NFL bloodlines connection. Uh, and his father was Mark Ripien, who I think is the only Canadian to ever win the, a Super Bowl MVP. He was uh, with the with Washington when they. Uh, I think that that was the the time they beat the Bills in the Super Bowl. So uh, he. You know, he watched her, maybe not watched, but he know his father knew what it took to be an NFL quarterback. So I think the mental side of the game he'll be a bit more prepared for than other prospects who didn't don't necessarily have NFL bloodlines.
2: Interesting. He's got the Yeah, pedic- the, yeah the the bloodlines
1: there for sure. Plus, his his sister just dominated the uh, the lingerie league, whatever it was called. I mean, she was actually good. Like it. I mean, not just for. You know, girls wearing shoulder pads and 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 lingerie like she was legitimately. Oh no! Good... Don't be ripping
3: that up now. <laughs> you
1: no, know, it was. I <laughs> there's a reason that I know about this. Um, hand hands on the table, real quick, just to just to make sure. But uh, yeah. Sorry,
0: sorry, I made a mistake. It wasn't. It's his. It's his uncle, Mark, uh, Mark yeah. Griffin, is Brett Ripon's uncle, not his father. So that was. his uh, yeah, it, oh, okay.
3: uncle and won two Super Bowls with the Skins in '87 and '91. Yep. And MVP in 891. So that's... There you go. And his uh, cousin,
0: uh, James, you mentioned you know hockey, you might know him, Rick Rippin, uh, who unfortunately died back in 2011. Uh, so RIP to Rick Rippin. He, uh, unfortunately, uh, mental health issues kind of got in the way with him. So uh, first off, it's important to talk about those things. But don't want to drag that down this podcast too long, but just wanted to Shout out to Rick Ripian. We're still thinking about you. Cool.
1: Nice. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, I I okay, I will s- back to back to Brett, back to the Broncos. I will say that the Broncos have been very very good at developing you know the developing quarterbacks that end up going somewhere else and being effective. <laughs> so, you know, there's also that angle. Not I mean, this much. this could still be Drew Locke's ultimately drew locks job brett ripian could be i mean we've seen kyle sloater come through here we've seen chad kelly come through here that that one was a little it's a different situation but um, sure. it, it's very possible that the broncos are grooming a very good uh backup quarterback with with starter potential uh for another team um and uh meanwhile they're gonna they're gonna groom a backup quarterback and call him a starter for themselves. So <laughs> I think I've taken enough shots. Um, I, I I feel better. Uh, I'm sure James does not, but I'm feeling good about this. So mm-hmm. we can get to our last segment here with the guys. We're going to play a little bit of your nuts. We haven't done this a whole lot lately, and uh, we need a lot more of it, especially we've got – two up-and-coming podcasters on the show here. Um, I guarantee that they've got some thoughts for us. So let's get some bold predictions from each of you guys. And we're going to start with you, Kyle. Show us your nuts.
2: Yeah, and real quick, Kyle, before you get started, we, we really got to bring it this time because we got to show people <laughs> what hot takes really are. Um, and,
1: and how they can be used.
2: Yes. <laughs> and not just, you know, a hot take just for the sake of a hot take, so yeah, you guys, you guys, uh, you guys are gonna have to bring it this time, all right? So, Kyle, start us off strong.
0: So that was <laughs> the struggle, right? Is trying to find something that was, you know, uh, out there enough to be considered a hot take, but realistic enough that it could happen. I'm not gonna say something like Cameron Artist Payne will lead the league in rushing touchdowns. Right? That's just that's just never gonna happen. Uh, so instead, uh, I I'm saying that every one of everyone's favorite three tight ends will not end up as a tight end one my hot take is that george kittle will finish outside the top 12 tight ends whoa now my whoa, man <laughs> uh, yeah. decent
3: exposure right there <laughs> <laughs> yeah he showed you
0: my nuts there
1: yeah you 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 showed us your nuts uh you're definitely nuts but i i would like to hear a little bit more um, expand upon that a little bit. I'm sure you've got some some reasoning behind that or, or maybe a hypothetical scenario that could play out that prevents him from finishing as a tight end one. Um, and I think that this could uh, this hot take could probably cool off a little bit pretty easily.
0: So uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has only played nine games with the 49ers so far. In those nine games, George Kittle's stats are... 28 receptions for 429 yards and one touchdown on a per game basis. That's three catches, 48 yards per game on a per 16 game basis. That's 48 receptions and 768 yards. So in the times that Kittle and, and Garoppolo have been on the field at the same time, it, Kittle hasn't been the top target. He hasn't been that main primary weapon. Uh, in 2017, when they were both, uh, when, yeah, when, uh, Jimmy, uh, Garoppolo played, I think, six games for the 49ers at the end of the year. It was Marquise Goodwin that led the league in targets by almost uh, almost doubled up what Kittle's targets were. And last year, uh, we didn't see any of Kittle's huge games until it was Nick Mullins that was quarterback. So in the times that he's played with Jimmy Garoppolo, Kittle hasn't been that top three tight end. And going into training camp this year, we really have no idea who Jimmy G's primary weapon's going to be. I think the smart money would be to say it's Kittle, just because we saw what he did last year. But really, Jimmy G hasn't really liked to target him, especially not not as Mullins did last year, as we saw. So I think Debo Samuel, Dante Pettis, uh, Marquise Goodwin again, who's still on the team. Like those, those are all players that Jimmy G could potentially target more than George Kittle. So I think, I, I think it's going to be an even spread kind of between those four, and no one's really going to dominate. So that's that's my reasoning there
1: yeah i mean definitely uh definitely less nuts than uh than just headline reading um it, it uh it gets a lot better so um i mean it's a the tight end position is just such a mess it's it's just so easy for a tight end of any kind of talent to make it into the top 12 but with that being said i mean I think that I, – I, I don't know. What do you think, James? To me, this is a pretty valid concept here.
2: Yeah, Kyle, you definitely did your research into it, and the numbers make sense. I mean, there's there's cause for concern here. Um, I, I just – here's my thing. My thing is is that to be a top 12 tight end, it takes so little because the mm. tight end position is so thin that for him not to finish top 12 i mean it, it's really hard to name uh, 12 guys that are going to finish ahead of kittle and feel good about it i mean then you're starting to you're starting to name guys like jared cook um you know, i just just some guys that you just oh man i don't know that i can justify those guys being higher so uh while i think that there is cause for concern and i think kittle's uh, uh, an absolute regression candidate. I think you're a little nuts for saying that he's going to finish outside the top 12.
0: I will just say my one reasoning is I, I mentioned that per 16 pay, uh, game pace stat line with Jimmy G. And I know this isn't necessarily, you know, cut and paste, but it, with that stat line, 48 receptions, 768 yards and one touchdown. Kittle would have finished as the tight end 16 last year. Anyway, uh, Alessandro, did you want to say anything?
3: No, I, I already told you you're nuts, and that's pretty much it. You know, I love Kittle, <laughs> but you know, it, it's a little biased for me. I'm sorry. I'm terribly sorry. Apologies, <laughs> apologies, apologies. I like Kittle. I think he's going to do good because it, you got Kittle and then Goodwin and then it's going to be Debo. Those are the only guys I can actually see making any production over there in San Fran. So I don't see Kill's production going down. Barring injury, that's the only I can see – his production going now is injury. That's about. Sorry, Kyle.
1: Wow. No, nuts. No, no Pettis on there. That might be even more, uh, even more hot takey. Yeah.
2: But, yeah that's uh, interesting
1: too. <laughs> uh, but let's, let's see if you're nuts here, Alessandro, it's your turn. We'll, we'll get a bold prediction from you. Let's, uh, go, it's okay. show us your nuts. There it is.
3: Hey, all right. <laughs> Sam Darnold will be a better quarterback than Tom Brady, possibly the best quarterback in the AFC East. All right, they got the stray jacket. I gotta go, boys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, he just kind of plopped him on the table and then tried to walk out.
3: Yep. All right, no, 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 no. Seriously, <laughs> Sam Darnold will do a lot better than Tom Brady, and here's why, okay? It's Tom Brady. We all know who he is. We all know what he could have done and what he could actually do. And that's great. That's that's you know, real life football. We're talking fancy here. Fancy, he is he's not goat. I'm sorry, he's not goat. You know, in 2018, Tom Brady finished. Hold on, let me scroll down this list. Still scrolling, still scrolling, QB 14. Okay. He finished outside the top 10. He lost to Mahomes, Ryan, Roethlisberger, Watson, Luck, Rogers, Golf, Breeze, Wilson, Prescott, Dax Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys. Come on, man. Philip Rivers, Cam Newton, Kirk Cousins. Oh, look, there's Tom Brady. He's not good as a fancy footballer, okay? In real football, he's GOAT for a reason. I'm sorry. He, I hate him so much. I hate the Patriots. As you know, I'm a Jets fan. I hate them so much, but he's good in real football. In fantasy, he is terrible. Sam Darnold, he's new. He's got some flashy weapons. He's got brand-new wide receivers. He's got Le'Veon Bell in the backfield. He's got, you know, Jameson Crowder up the middle. He kept Robbie Anderson, who Robbie Anderson is on the rise. I think he was ranked wide receiver 30-ish, something like that. And then you got Quincy Inouye, who was ranked wide receiver 40 You got Jameson Crowder, 45. You know, these guys, granted, they're not 1,000-yard wide receivers, but they are on the up and up, and they're playing against teams who are weak in the slot, and Crowder and Q are slot players. So they can make up some production there, and you know Robbie, he's a deep threat. So, you know, if they manage to cover him in the middle, he can just chuck it downfield. No prayers, no hopes. It's going to be caught by Robbie Anderson. You know what I'm saying? And... Right now, ranking, you know, Tom Brady, he's still down the list. He's still in the mid-teen area. So it's not entirely crazy to say that Tom Brady's going to be the best fantasy uh, quarterback. He still won't give you the points. Don't get me wrong. He's still Tom Brady. But over the past few years, he's finished 14 last year. In 2017, he's finished QB 16. And in 2016... He finished quarterback 14. So he's in the mid-teens ranking. So I really don't see much of a problem coming from there. You know, I don't really see much of an overall massive jump. So, yeah, I think Sam Darnold will overtake Tom Brady as the AFC East uh, fantasy football quarterback. In real life, that would be very wonderful. But there we are. Now let me get the stray jacket off real quick.
1: I actually don't think that's that nuts, but I want to hear what James and Kyle think about this one.
2: Yeah, I, I, here's the thing I don't think you're totally nuts, but I'll, I'll say this I don't think either of those guys are guys that I'm totally high on coming into this year. And here's why I, first off, I think the writings on the wall with New England, I think they want to run the ball they want to extend Brady's lifetime. They want to extend him as a viable quarterback there. and I think it showed in the playoffs. they can have success relying on Sony Michelle and you know dinking and dunking the ball. and so I don't I don't think that that's going to add up to a wheat fantasy production for Tom Brady. Uh, so you know i I, I think, I think with the team, with new England going that way, I think that, you know, that's, that's kind of, kind of where I see new England going. So then I look at the jets and I, you know what, here's, here's the whole thing is I have no idea what the jets are doing coaching wise. I don't know what's going to happen with that staff. I don't know what Adam Gase is doing, but I can tell you this, looking at the draft and looking at the way that team was built up, you mentioned Wesco, um, Alessandro Wesco was a guy who they took in the fourth round. They have a lot of tight ends there. Um, they have some good depth there. The writing on the wall, to me, seems to indicate that this team might do a lot of two tight end sets and rely on the run game. At least I think that's the game plan before the GM got fired and, and everything else. So I, I think the way this team is built, this team would be best if they relied on the running game, um, you know, and, and – use utilize play action, getting Robbie Anderson, the ball deep, um, off of play action, you know, relying on short dump down passes to Le'Veon Bell when that's not there. Um, and use it utilizing the tight ends over the middle of the field. So I don't know that the passing yards and the passing statistics are going to be high for either one of these guys. So I think you're, I I don't think you're nuts, but I don't know that I like either one either. So that, that would be my caveat. What do you think, Kyle?
0: Well, at first I was going to, Call foul because no one had mentioned the Jets' best receiver until James just did when he mentioned Le'Veon Bell. That could be the secret to, to Darnold's success. Uh, one thing I noticed last year watching film of Darnold at USC, he throws on the run pretty well. It's not quite Mahomes or certainly not the Russell Wilson Aaron Rodgers level, but he's still pretty accurate throwing on the run. And so if he can gain chemistry with someone on scramble plays, that could certainly be a way to elevate fantasy production, whether that's Robbie Anderson, Nunwa, Bell, Crowder, or either the tight ends. So there's weapons there, and like James mentioned, the biggest threat to Tom Brady's fantasy production might be Sony Michelle and now maybe Damian Harris. If they really do want to run that much, it's going to limit what Tom can do.
3: There is one thing I would like to add um, that you guys said about him running a lot, and last year in 2018, and I want to say the 14th, 13th week or something like that when Jets played the Bills, you know, in Buffalo. Sam Darnold ran 46.8 yards all around before he finally threw what looks to be like a sidearm kind of Mahomes throw to Robbie Anderson in The end zone through double cover, so he still has that throwing capabilities, and he can still move outside of pocket. So yeah, he's not Russell Wilson, he's not Deshaun Watson. I wouldn't go as far as Rodgers. I'm sorry, Kyle, but he he still you know he still got the mobility of that. And you said before. He got Le'Veon Bell in the backfield. I think Le'Veon Bell is more of a, oh, I can't get Robbie. I can't get Q. I can't get Jameson. Middle of the field, check down, running back. So he's, if if uh, they could get him the ball, I could see him going off of it. But you forget one thing. Le'Veon did sit out for a year. So I don't know they're going to be using him a whole lot. They may, you know, work his way up into the end of the season, so that may be a problem near the end of the season. But I think it's going to be more of a progression up. So I think they'll throw it more before they start truly running it, running it.
1: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the cliff is coming for Tom Brady at some point. We know that. So mm. it's it, it's it's just a matter of getting it out ahead of this a little bit. I mean, we know that at some point, Sam Darnold is going to surpass Tom Brady. I already have Sam Darnold ranked ahead of Tom Brady, uh, just for the Lovely. fact that he's got an entire career ahead of him. He's got an entire complement of weapons to throw to. He's got an offensive-minded head coach. Uh, it 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 just there it it just is. Uh, it it's just a matter of time before that takes place. And I mean, at this point, you really just have to kind of assume that it's coming as early as this year. You know, you you have to assume that Tom Brady is, you know, at some point Tom Brady hits that cliff and we've seen how abrupt it can be. We saw it with Peyton Manning, for instance. You know, we we know that this just kind of comes out of nowhere. So it's just a matter of, of assuming that this is going to happen sooner rather than later. And just betting on the the most likely scenario, which is a 41-year-old quarterback, is not going to be nearly as effective as a what, 22, 23-year-old quarterback, uh, especially with the way these two offenses are are built and designed. So, yeah, I, I really don't think that that one's nuts at all. Uh, I think that this one is absolutely going to happen, and I think it could happen as early as is 2019 and it could be there pretty is, pronounced.
3: there is one thing i would like to say before we move on i'm sorry um no, tom brady tom brady i know he's getting older but if you look at his um games throughout his years especially in the later years if he gets sacked at least three times in a game he's dud he's a dud the rest of the game they'll rely on the running backs and they rely on like the, the the ground pound game because he he can't take a hit like that. So if you look at the game footage especially in the later years, you'll see them rely more on the running game than the passing game if there's at least three sacks on Brady.
1: True, and he just lost his his number one weapon, Rob Gronkowski retires. I mean, it remains to be seen if that ends up if that ends up sticking, if that ends up being a permanent uh, situation but um you know there's a there's a chance that Grant comes back but in the meantime I mean you just you just lost the guy who makes Tom Brady feel the most comfortable uh when he's standing in the pocket he doesn't also have... lost
0: sorry John no, also go lost ahead. Couple, they also lost a couple of offensive linemen
1: Trent Brown signed
0: somewhere and I think Jared Verlander just retired today or just announced that he was retiring so yeah now Al- point of sacks that could be something that happens more this season
1: yep Yep. Correct. And, and I, I mean, they bring in the kill Harry, but otherwise it seems like they're trying to, to slant this more towards the running game. But, uh, so that was a, that was an awesome round of your nuts. So, uh, we want to thank you both for showing us your nuts <laughs> and, uh, and above all else, just thank you guys for coming on. It's the full press coverage fantasy podcast. It's at FPC underscore fantasy pod along with Dean Williams, and uh, they're part. the podcast is part of the Full Press Radio Network at Full Press Radio on Twitter. So, Kyle, tell them where they can find you and all your work.
0: So uh, you can find my work at a few different places. I write articles for not only full press coverage, but going for two in flurry sports. Although lately I haven't been too active with those two because I've been really focusing on getting this podcast up and running and revitalizing the fantasy sports content, but I am planning to write more for those two. On Twitter, I can be found at Myama underscore KS, and that's spelled N-Y-A-M-A underscore KS.
1: Beautiful. And Alessandro, your turn. Where can they find uh, all your work?
3: Well, unlike Kyle, I am strictly on full press coverage. I write for the New York Jets, sorry, and I am getting into writing for the Carolina Panthers Due to me being in South Carolina. So, Panther fans, if you're out there, uh, watch out for my oracles. I'll be throwing it some your way too. And you guys can find me on Twitter at AMS1928.
1: Beautiful. James Brain, any final thoughts?
2: I got nothing, man. I think we uh, we had a great show. I want to thank uh, both these guys for coming on uh, personally, too. Kyle, Alessandro, thank you guys for coming on and joining us. We appreciate it, and I'm definitely looking forward to hearing more of your guys' podcasts when they drop. Um, so keep up the good work, man, both of you. Well,
0: thank you very thank much, you. and thank you for having us on. This is, this is great. I had a lot of fun. I'm yeah, glad Thanks, have-
3: man.
1: Yeah, I second all that. Check out the full press coverage fantasy podcast. You've only mo- missed one episode so far. You can go back and get caught up pretty easily. And then uh, from there, stay caught up with the boys. We're going to wrap it up there for the week. And as we do ask you for a quick favor, if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also subscribe to the DLF family of podcasts, Mega Feed, and get access to all of the great podcasts from DLF. And once you're subscribed, if you'd give us a rating and review, not all podcatchers give you the option, but on the ones that do, those ratings and reviews help us to expand our reach, get out to a larger audience, involve more people in the conversation. And from there, we can really zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you, the listener. And in the vein of listener interaction, send us your trades on Twitter at SuperFlexShow. You can also send them to any one of us individually. Stompy's at FFStompy. James is at underscore James the Brain and I'm as Superflex Dude. We can retweet them, help you get more comments and votes, and sometimes even bring them here on the podcast and analyze them. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the song The Addiction that we use as our intro and outro music. And above all else, thank you to each and every one of you for listening. Until next week, stay sexy and super flexy.